0: Welcome, everybody. Lee Henson Hasty, Senior Director of Theological Education and Funds Development with the Presbyterian Foundation, um, at the Ministry of the Committee on Theological Education, and I'm here with the Reverend Doctor uh, Ed Newberry of Presbyterian Charlotte, honorably retired, uh, ordained in 1971. How many years ago? We, we, we maybe we shouldn't calculate that, Ed. That's that's been a, that's been a minute plus. <laughs> and um, thanks for making time today to have this conversation and um, look forward to introducing you to, to new friends and also um, uh, for old friends to be able to hear and, hear and see you today. Thanks for making time today in your home. I think your home office now, right? That's right. Such <laughs> as it is. <laughs> um, and notice friends, he's got books. He, he reads and he's going to share some resources with us today. Um, Ed is, uh, was ordained in actually July of 1971 by Catawba Presbytery. Um, part of the reason I've invited him to be here today, uh, the Presbytery Charlotte, which is uh, he's now an honor to be a retired member of, had a, a celebration um, of Catawba, and it's been something they've been talking about, the history and legacy of Catawba Presbytery. But there was a video co-produced by the Presbyterian Foundation and Charlotte Presbytery that was previewed. Saturday was your stated meeting, right? That's correct. Where did you gather Saturday? Well,
1: I didn't, I wasn't able to get there, but it was at Covenant Church in Charlotte. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, I-, I zoomed into the meeting.
0: <laughs> I zoomed in. Um, Ed is continues to be assault a sought after preacher, a longtime pastor at Memorial Presbyterian Church there um, in Charlotte, served also in Chicago. That's where he. I just learned earlier that's where he met his met his wife Dima, and um, when he was serving there. And um, uh, just so excited to have you here today, Ed, and uh, for folks to get to know you. People get used to us uh, talking about a vocation and call at the beginning of this. I know it's something that means something to you, and um, I often ask the Howard Thurman question: What is the work your soul must have, I'm going to ask one that I've been, uh, it's actually Adia Maria Asasi-Diaz. She asked this question is, what is the life story you celebrate today? What is the life story you celebrate?
1: I would answer that by saying I celebrate being a part of the story that we are talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, because I am a part of the legacy of Catarbon. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of this story. And I celebrate being retired and having a little more leisure time to, to, to explore some of the things that, that I've been curious about over the years, to track down resources that I frankly didn't even know existed. And I want to talk, I will talk about that a, a little bit more. Um, the, one of the things that you, you also asked me about was my formation, what, what actually contributed to my formation. Exactly. So I would say my story is, is sort of a unique story. Uh, in that I've been a part of the Presbyterian Church all of my life. I was born to parents who were Presbyterian. My father was a Presbyterian minister, and when I was born, he was serving the Trinity Presbyterian Church in Decatur, Georgia, which okay. was a part of the PCUS. So I, I began my life uh, as, as as part of the PCUS. Was baptized in that church in 1947. Uh, subsequently, we moved to Charlotte, and then eventually. My father got called to a church in Catawba Presbytery, so I was in in Catawba Presbytery when when I sensed the call of ministry. I was taken on care of Catawba Presbytery. Uh, attended Pittsburgh Seminary. Uh, Catawba Presbytery ordained me as you have said in, in 1971 and shipped me off to Chicago. Uh, and then when I came back to serve at Memorial, we were still Catawba Presbytery. That was 78. Mm-hmm. So I've been a part of Catawba Presbyterian for a number of years and, that, and I like to say I'm a part of the story,
0: right? I mean, um, and in, I was asking you earlier, if you remembered, um, it'd be it maybe interesting for some of our folks, please let us know if you're here, glad to have you here, uh, where you're watching or listening from, um, and whatever platform where we'd love to know um but you you said you remembered some of those folks who were at that that ordination service in 1971.
1: yeah i, I do remember i do remember some now my, my memory might be might be a little fading on some things but i, I know my dad was there because he preached for the service the late james reese was there i think he gave me the charge Okay, uh, the, one of the historic figures in our area the reverend dr uh arthur george who was the dean of Johnson C. Smith Seminary for many, many years before it moved to Atlanta. By the time I was with he was retired and an honored member of our presbytery. So, and there were, you know, other, other people there, uh, ruling elders, of course, had to be there. So, so I I was very, very blessed to, to, uh, to have them as a part of that occasion.
0: That's beautiful. Well, I see Carolyn Cranston from Pittsburgh Seminary is, giving thanks for you and uh, and now i've learned you were distinguished alumna uh, alumnus there um as well uh, i think james reese may hold that same honor he and, did um, he did long long before did. i did <laughs> okay and um glad to have carolyn here robin uh sakula thanks for being here really yeah, glad Gallagher, to know that
1: both of them apart
0: and glenn bell as well he's he's he speaks of you as a giant in the Christian faith and the Presbyterian church. I agree with you, <laughs> Gwen, and that's that's why we're having this conversation, um, because some folks may not know and, and not realize um, um, what a gift you are. I know you don't think of yourself that way, but um, there's others that do. Um, so that who are some of those people in that you talked about, author George and, um, and, and Pittsburgh Seminary? Um, and in Chicago, who were some of the early influencers, persons, but also events that were formational for you, Ed?
1: Well, you know, uh, we, we did have in those uh, days of of Press Chair, pretty, pretty vigorous youth activities. Mm-hmm. So we had those summer conferences and youth events. So that was very, very formative. Uh, I would say that the, the, the local congregations, Here in Charlotte of -hmm. the Catawba Church, I mean of the Catawba Presbytery, all of them were a part of that because we were a very, very close-knit presbytery. We were not very large, you know, Mm -hmm. three to four thousand members. Uh, We Mm -hmm. were not a large presbytery. So we knew a lot of of each other's lives and participated in a lot of each other's activities. I can do, I remember that ordinations and installations were particularly very important. Right. And and just about everybody that could go went. So wow. uh, that, that was important. I would, I would say one of the most uh, influential people was the late James Reese. Mm-hmm. I, I, I first met him when I was a student at Knoxville College. He was serving a congregation there at Knoxville. He moved to Charlotte to work for the Catawba Senate
0: mm-hmm. in,
1: in, in the, uh, as an educator. And, and so we renewed our acquaintances there. And, and, and then he, of course, went on to Philadelphia later on. But he, he, I consider as a mentor and one Mm. of the great influences in my life.
0: Well, I'm right along with you. I did a little later, a little later on, but definitely, definitely true. And I I know we're just part of a a large cohort that can say the same. Oh, That's
1: true. um,
0: true. 100%. Now some folks may not know, and we posted a link to, um, to uh, this YouTube video celebrating the history and legacy of Catawba Presbytery. It's really just a taste. And you all you will see Ed Newberry in that video, along with others, um, Kareem Cannon, Jerry Cannon, um, and Jan Edmonston, and, and others. Um, tell us about uh, Catawba Presbytery. It, um, and it's part of a whole, I think uh, what I've learned about is uh, it's the one I've known most about as an all-black governing body in the Presbyterian Church. But there were others. In fact, there's a there's a whole book about these. I will post a link. It's it's available online. But um, Ed's got a a physical copy of this all-black governing bodies. It was a report um, of the General Assembly. I think Dar- Dr. Darius Swan was an author. Jim Reese, you just Jim mentioned, Reese Barnum, yeah, he, he chaired maybe the committee and. um, but tell us about Catawba, the geographics
1: of that. Well, well, let me just say that the, the, the study of Catawba Presbytery has to be done in a much broader context. And there are two things that I think are important. Number one, you study it in the context of the larger Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. Then you set it in, in the context of American history because mm-hmm. of Black history and American history are right there together. Right. Uh, but Catawba Presbyterian, I think, gets a lot of attention because it was the first Presbyterian mm-hmm. organized post-Civil War that would become an all-Black Presbyterian. Right. Uh, and that's because the Southern region following the post-Civil War was not really... Uh, enthusiastic about developing a, a, a robust Presbyterian witness, you know, among black people. There was a lot of a lot of anxiety about all of that, but nevertheless, Catawba became uh, in existence because of that need. And the geographic uh, footprint of Catawba initially was the whole state of North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Wow. You know, you know but now there were not churches there yet. This right. was just the area there was, that a was dream. There was to a the Presbyterian right. <laughs> And then, at, you know, that was in 1866. And by 1868, there was an Atlantic Senate that covered okay. that same territory. So, so Catawba became a Presbyterian within the Atlantic Senate, I which see. was all Black. It was for all intents and purposes, all Black. Now, one hour that we need to say before we leave, and that is, Catawba was the first all-Black Presbytery, but it was actually founded by three white ministers.
0: Right. Which, which leads me to say Mur- that- Merkland, is it Merkland and- Sidney
1: Merkland, S.C. Alexander, and Willis Miller.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they were members of the Concord Presbytery, okay. which by that time was a PCUS Presbytery.
0: Oh, wow.
1: But see, it had been a part of the National Church concord presbytery existed before Mm -hmm. the civil war Mm -hmm. and after the civil war it just continued to be concord presbytery and that pretty much covered all of north carolina but yet
0: but yet catawba was part of the northern church right the pcu
1: catawba had because the southern church was not interested in establishing Mm -hmm. that so catawba by act by an action of general assembly catawba really was assigned to the senate of baltimore Baltimore mm-hmm. Maryland right before it became before the Atlantic Senate was organized
0: hmm. well it I love that you tell that story I mean this and and it's not like this story ends right it continues just in different iterations and how important allies are on in, in this kind of work um and it yes. sounds like they took some risk um there, Ken Whitehurst who is who is listening in was is was excited uh maybe to learn or maybe already knew about uh, your father who was the charter of his uh church Trinity Presbyterian Indicator. So he was, he was right. celebrating that. Um, and I guess that was even initially um part of that geographic area. Um well, no, no,
1: Trent, no, that was Trinity not wasn't. the problem. No, 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 no. Uh that was PCUS. Oh, okay. And, and that right. was a part at that time, that was a part of what was called the Georgia Carolina Presbyterian Okay. Which was a, a black pressure chair within the PCUS, but that, that didn't come about until later, I think probably into the 20th century. Mm-hmm. But that but that was not a part of the talk.
0: Okay. Okay. And you, you the all black governing bodies helps outline some of these things for folks who are interested and want to do research and you can write and find out because it's this, 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 there weren't any straight lines here.
1: I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of overlap. And there's a lot of interesting details that explain, you know, why, why these governing bodies existed. And mm-hmm. I would like to say this, eventually there were four black centers. Mm-hmm. Catawba was the second black center. Okay. Atlantic okay. was the first, Catawba was the second. Then there was a center in, over in the Tennessee, Alabama area called Blue Ridge. Mm -hmm. and then further west into Arkansas and Oklahoma and some parts of Texas, there was a Senate called Canadian.
0: Mm. But
1: the Blue Ridge and Canadian Senate actually was formulated because of disputes when the denomination, when Presbyterian Church in the United States of America merged with the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Mm. And the Cumberland Presbyterian Church was basically a Southern denomination and was still holding on to segregationist attitudes. So, the those two synods actually became a part of the wider church as black centers because of the attitudes of the Cumberland Church at that time.
0: Hmm. Gosh, um, it's it's a lot. Um, are there other other resources that you would point people to? All black governing bodies. We pasted in the link that if you're interested in some of the history of these things, that you could learn more. Um, and right. oh, by the way, if there are folks here on the line, you have questions in particular. It's a great opportunity. We'd love love to hear those questions. We'll try to get to them. Um, so please share those as well. But you've got some other things there, I know.
1: Yeah, this, this is a book that uh, is, has a little age on it now. If, if hold you it can back see just
0: it, a little bit. Hold it back just a little bit there.
1: OK, The title the title is Presbyterians and the Negro, a History. know some of these titles are a bit embarrassing now but that's the way it is this was written in 8 in 1966 okay by andrew murray Mm -hmm. who at that time was a professor he's a white white uh christian minister
0: all right we got it
1: he was working as a professor at lincoln university in pennsylvania uh which a lot of people don't know because we focus more on the south but lincoln university was actually the first black college that was established by the christian church
0: we uh, got it that, we got it you can yeah it that third
1: black uh, students and that Tell was us. established in 1854.
0: you can you can lower it there ed that's we got it now thank you okay
1: that's yep. one uh another one that yep. well,
0: before, before you go away from that what what would be what would be some if you're interested in that book what kind of
1: things would you find well this this covers the whole suite Okay. Of, of, of uh history going back to the uh colonial days and what it's looking at, and it covers both north and south. That's the value right. of it. A lot of people really think only the south has historical stuff, but the in the north,
0: mm-hmm. there were
1: Presbyterians beginning to be established. The earliest Presbyterian congregation mm-hmm. of black people was in 1805 in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Yeah, first African Christian Church, it was it it was called it was called. So mm-hmm. so uh Murray's book covers it's a survey of the whole history up until uh like I said, he wrote it in 1966. Wow. So it's it's a comprehensive look at the church and its relationship to black people.
0: Um <clears throat> education, I know in the this video about Kitab, and I suspect in that book you just offered, there's some real important words about education. Um, right. I know, I know that was true in Charlotte. Could you say a little bit about how, why education was so important And Right.
1: And, and the, the major resource for that, let me put, see if I can get this up here again, is a book by the late Inez Moore Parker, mm-hmm. who taught at Johnson C. Smith, mm-hmm. an African-American. Uh, she was a professor of English initially and became the archivist at Johnson C. Smith. And she wrote this book in 1977.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: a history of the whole effort of the church in terms of education. It's mostly about uh, churches that were connected with, I mean, schools that were connected with churches. Mm-hmm. And throughout the South, she has, uh, she, she, she records that, that effort uh, of the educational endeavors. And she divides it off by states. Uh, you know, schools in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, you know, so it's a very, very comprehensive, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. it's a very, very comprehensive study of the schools. Now, why this is important is because the schools attached to the churches, which were basically grammar schools now. These mm-hmm. were grammar schools. Right. And you have to remember. Universities
0: uh, at this point, right? They were. No, 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 no. They were <laughs> the reconstructionist, a reconstruction era kind of.
1: Right. And that's the other thing mm-hmm. I meant to mention. You have to understand that all of this is taking place in the context of reconstruction mm-hmm. after the Civil War. No, these were pretty much grammar schools that, that were attached to local churches. And many times the head of the school or principal was the pastor of the church. And mm-hmm. of course, the pastor's wife, if, if, if qualified, usually taught in the school as well.
0: Mm-hmm. These
1: small schools fed into what was then uh, Johnson C. Smith and uh, Barbara uh, uh, Academy at, in Alabama. Barbara, yeah. Those <laughs> then had what they called preparatory, preparatory departments. And that was basically high schools. Right. So these schools, even Bill Institute start off at, with, with, with preparatory training and, mm-hmm. and evolved into uh, college level and then into uh, theological education. And we have to be careful not to equate those those identities with what we understand now as university education and seminary mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. You know Very, very different. But well, those schools, also, were major sources of evangelistic outreach. Mm-hmm. I have known in my lifetime people who went to some of these church schools, mm-hmm. and, and I had an elder at memorial who told me point blank, I will always be a Presbyterian because of the education that I received. I think he went to Brainerd in mm-hmm. Chester, South Carolina. And mm-hmm. he said, I'll always be a Presbyterian, grateful mm-hmm. for you know, that's that that education. Right. So that that was a very very major part and th- those schools existed uh from basically in the ninth, late 19th century as the 20th century started economic factors got into it and unfortunately by the great depression many mm-hmm. of these schools could not survive and so All they right. sort of went out of existence.
0: So um you mentioned there uh there's an evolution and and it's true for theological education broadly, but I got to say, you were saying earlier about how important ordinations were and everybody would gather that that was part of, that was part of it, right. Is to is to, to be able to, to educate teachers and clergy and others. All right. And right.
1: um, Right. I mean, the, 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 the schools of like Smith and Scotia seminary and, and Knoxville college, and mm-hmm. Stillman College in Tuscaloosa, which was PCUS. Mm-hmm. Those schools really began as the, 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 the college level, if we mm-hmm. would call it that, really served to prepare preachers and teachers. Mm-hmm. Remember, you, know, you, you, were, you were at a stage in, in history where there needed to be preparation for that teaching force that would help, as, as the old language had, educate the race. Mm -hmm. so these were very very important institutions now they were they were comparable to other institutions and other denominations as well
0: sure Mm -hmm. Uh, i i have to say uh, there's been a couple of comments by antonio lawrence
1: i don't know if you know him but he's that's yeah he's the son of one of my one of my peers (laughs)
0: okay he he is he's thankful for your wisdom and um and, i knew was dad yes. and reiterates that you're a giant african-american Presbyterian church and a constant standard for leadership i well, I, I, I would agree that. with that well, thank you thank <laughs> you tony <laughs> um it, it's it's 100 true friends we're glad to have you here and there are questions or comments you have um that you'd like to add um to this conversation with ed we'd love to hear from you for from you i um, glad to have Glad to have him here. Are there other resources there? I, I know we talked about um, the President Historical Society. It's right, been really right, right. important. And we'll put a right. link in because there's yeah. a um, they have some important archives there.
1: Right. And and for those who are uh, really, uh, interested, I, w- I would advise you, if you can get to the historical society in Philadelphia, of course, that's the, that's, that's the really important, uh, historical resource, but seminary libraries have an amazing, uh, resource if, if, but you gotta, you gotta dig for it. I, and I know this to be a fact because I have borrowed books from union seminary in Richmond to mm-hmm. learn some things about the PCUS mm-hmm. and also about the, you know, United Christian as well. So seminary libraries, have you know resources? These things are long out of print, but you'd be amazed what they still have. Right. Uh, and and so I, I would I would advise those. And more and more resources.
0: more and more and more things like the all black governing bodies. More and more of these are digitized. Um, the historical society also has some wonderful digital resources. There's a feature now on the um, uh, Jim and or James and uh, uh papers right. and. Um, I know the Gayrod Wilmore Papers, uh, Katie Cannon uh, Digital Collection. There, so there's a, a lot of things that um, are definitely worth seeing. We'll put some links in there for folks to go and investigate. And there's just so much to learn. And and I know um, there's Betty Dura. Hello, Betty. Hello, Betty. Um, her says my father and sister attended McClellan Academy in Noonan, Georgia. I've never yes. heard. I know Noonan. Yes, but I didn't know McClelland.
1: Yes, that was that one was of the school. kind of
0: schools you're talking
1: about, right? Yes, that was one of those schools, yes. Mm-hmm. And it was likely connected with the church in Nuna.
0: Mhm. Um Ken Whitehurst is asking is there a a resource maybe with the presbytery or somewhere about the chartering of Trinity Decatur um and, uh under your I guess your
1: father in 1941. Yeah, the 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 uh, the information for that and this is another thing you would have to go to the minutes of atlanta presbytery because even though that church was not incorporated into atlanta presbytery atlanta presbytery had a lot to do with its founding because it was considered to be a mission
0: i see it's a okay. mission
1: so so i would advise him to to um, check with atlanta presbytery there is a book on atlanta presbytery as well that i have that belonged to my father it has some brief information, all too brief information about the beginning of the Trinity Church. Well,
0: and probably at Columbia Seminary, you were mentioned earlier, I wouldn't be surprised that there would be minutes of Trinity Church there.
1: Well, I'm, yeah. I don't know. I, okay. I, I don't know about the minutes of the church, but mm-hmm. but again, the minutes of the Presbytery of Atlanta Presbytery, mm-hmm. at least in terms of the beginning. I know I know that it was a part of because I read it in this book that I have. That is a history of
0: Atlanta Presbyterian. Um, uh, Robin Sakula, who's a whiz at finding things, has found a a link that she's posted about McClelland uh, Academy, by the way. So yeah, that was one of um, those schools. It's it's all working together. We work together (laughs) to find, find these and tell these stories. Um, Our time is, is, is running short. Are there other things um, you're um, hoping to share or
1: things you're working on even now, Ed? Well, no. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm always doing a little something, but not <laughs> anything with this. But I, I might, I might resume it. I have a list of some little books that um, that I probably will try to track down. Uh, there were some smaller publications that were written over the years. This one right here belonged to my father.
0: Oh, Jacob's it, ladder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is a, and if you see the title, right, the subtitle. Negro work of the Presbyterian Church in the United States. Uh There's a companion book that's also about the northern efforts. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Climbing Jacob's Ladder. I've made the mistake of loaning my copy to somebody else years ago, (laughs) but it was written by a man named Jesse Belmont Barber. who was a black minister and served for a while as field secretary dealing with that. So Mm -hmm. little books like this, I think, are very, very important for what I would call on the ground information. This is right. not an academic book, right but in terms of basic information that sometimes the academic books overlook, that's very mm-hmm. important i'd also say that anybody that is serious about this, pay attention to the bibliography
0: mm. of,
1: of these of these publications because that can direct you into some other resources that they drew on but maybe did not have an opportunity to fully incorporate into their work. I have read some some, some uh, books that, that, that i found of that. One of the books that I read for, uh, some time ago really spelled out the missions in the old United Presbyterian Church of North America, mm-hmm. the UPNA that merged with the Presbyterian Church USA in 1958 to become the United Presbyterian Church. And
0: you told me this in a previous conversation, which mm-hmm. I didn't know that Jim Reese, that's where he was originally ordained the right. UPNA. That's, that's right. right. Jim
1: Reese began his life as an AME. I see. But he got a scholarship to go to Knoxville College. <laughs> and, and at Knoxville College, he became affiliated with the uh, United Christian Church that, of North that's, America.
0: That's how those Presbyterian colleges and seminaries roll. People come. Yes, <laughs> a lot of
1: that happened. And, and then he went on to the UPNA Seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right. Pittsburgh Senior, which, you know, it was an integrated, well, uh, they accepted black students, right. which was very, very important, uh, you know, at that time. So that's a whole nother side of the history of, of, of African-Americans in the Presbyterian church that, that I think needs a, a little more exploration.
0: Well, friends, we need days. We need a seminar. I was uh, telling, um, sharing with Dr. Newberry earlier, um, early in my work with theological education, the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon, who was ordained in a Presbyterian meeting, the first African-American woman in the Presbyterian church to be ordained. Back at Presbytery. That's <laughs> right. Um, she had an event right at the front end of Brian Blunt's uh, presidential inauguration mm-hmm. called Calling the Order of the Day. And uh, it brought together African-American Presbyterians. It may be time to call the order of the day again sometime soon. Um, and uh, uh, and it sounds like Charlotte Presbytery is doing a little bit of that. And. Just a little.
1: It's it's a it's a vast subject, though. It's,
0: it's very, very so much. But so grateful and grateful for you being a resource and um, uh, still active in this. Um, I also uh, have appreciated that that Jerry Cannon, the, the last one of the last acts that the presbytery took was to ordain uh, Jerry Lytle Cannon, Cannon um, too. And 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 what a gift he has been. Uh, so many people from Catawba Presbytery. Uh, Jan Edmonston speaks to to how important it has been this uh, again. I'm just having so much fun. I'm running overtime here. Everybody. Thanks for being here. Um, Please join us again. I will be back uh, soon. I actually in just a couple of weeks, March one with um, William Wu, he's written a a book uh, about, and I've got the book here close by, but I don't have it right. What what kind of Christianity? Yes. What kind of Christianity, the history, of slavery and anti-black racism in the Presbyterian Church, another very important resource. And and you're and I, I'm going to say he has a wonderful bibliography, um, okay. And a good index, so that's a great place to look. That's um, my next project. I'm
1: going to read that book. That's,
0: yes, March and come back to the show March first and ask questions. Amy Moiso from the Louisville Institute, who's done some work around conflict um, in in worship, working through conflict. She's going to be with us. May 17th, um, that's a little farther out. We're still filling in our schedule, but Raj Nadella, who's written on, uh, is co-editing a book on the Bible and post-colonial thought and interpretation will be with us. Uh, So please join us and listen back to our podcast, review and subscribe. We'd love uh, to hear from you leading theologically. Um, um, Ed, I'd love before we go for you to bless and send us but let me first just say again, um, in the church, we are the body of Christ. There are many members, you know, right? Who bring many gifts and different ones. The gifts that you bring are right at the heartbeat of who the church is and what a gift you have been and a friend of mine and your work in uh, committee on preparation for ministry among other many things, your work as a pastor and a preacher uh, and as a colleague in ministry, is uh, a truly a gift, uh, certainly to me, and I know to so many more and to generations. So thanks for who you are and what you do and um, uh, blessings on you in these days and for many, many more. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, I would like to, to end with a piece that I wrote, from a piece that I wrote many, many years ago for a resource called, uh let me get my camera. Uh, turn to the lectionaries, a stewardship resource, um, worship resources. And uh, I'd like to share the benediction that I wrote for my, my, my segment. Please. Fellow believers, we leave this sanctuary and move into the world. Trust the promise of Jesus. My peace I give to you. As we go from this sacred gathering, let us honor that peace as the gift from God the Son Proclaim that peace as the will of God, the creator. Live that peace as evidence of God, the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks so much again, Ed. Everyone, I will look forward to seeing you again soon.
1: Stay safe. Thank you for having me.